Hi, I'm Russ Camarda, an independent filmmaker and actor in New York, and in between the chances I get to do my creative projects, I love to sit down and talk with other artists to see how it is they do what they do, how they take art and use their craft to reveal truth to an audience. So in this series of conversations, you'll meet some people you may recognize, some people you won't recognize, but they're all independent artists and we'll get in-depth in a long-form conversation to see how it is they do what they do. Welcome to Art Craft Truth. This time on Art Craft Truth, fantastic artist, personal friend of mine, R&B, soul, rock, and jazz drummer, Eric Kalb. Over a 25-year career, from the studio to the stage, Kalb has played and collaborated with legends of the music industry like Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, guitar wizards Charlie Hunter and John Schofield, organ legend Dr. Lonnie Smith, to just name a few. His band, Deep Banana Blackout, legends in the jam band scene, toured with the Oldman Brothers and James Brown sax player Maceo Parker. Now, Eric, as I said, is a personal friend of mine, and when I have one of the guys that we occasionally go out and have some adult beverages with on the show, you'll notice I tend to curse a lot more. So you got that to look forward to. Check it out, and lay down the funk with Eric Kalb. Wow. See, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like this. This is like what Howard Stern does, yeah. Exactly. He really gets into the, the, his throat. Wow. I can get into this, actually. Yeah, see? It's, that's yeah, that's, that's cool. sexy, right? <laughs> it's sexy. And these are, these are shitty microphones. I mean, these are, these are like you know, 30 bucks for these yeah, fucking things. It's kind of cool. All right, groovy. Man. I never do this. Ah, so then I'm, I'm honored. Always, yeah, I'm always listening to drums in it. Okay. Mr. Eric Howell, this is going to be a fun conversation because most of the times when I have conversations with you, <laughs> it's over uh, Cajun food and alcohol and yeah. it's asinine. It gets really silly. It does get very silly. And we're due for one of those asinine silly. I know. Well, they're going to open up fucking restaurants. So, I, I mean, I, I mean, is Big Daddy's open right now? Or? It should be. It's time. It's time to get back together. I need those shots. <laughs> Well, the last time I saw you, you were on your seventh hurricane. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Fucking people put well, you know, stickers on your back and all kinds of shit was going on. It was bizarre. And we've just started and it's like, we're talking about that's, drinking that's and I'm drinking a beer. It's like, who is this drunk? <laughs> well, you're a musician, so you're holding up the reputation of, of musicians. So yeah, so just to... I'm roll. a serious artist. <laughs> Just to welcome you aboard, you come from uh, my good friend and your good friend, both of our longtime friend, Mr. Vincent Nigro. Yes, who was uh, on the show, and uh, and uh, he uh, we hang out whenever we get the chance, and it's always a blast. And and mm -hmm. this is you're gonna you're gonna educate me because I'm a com I'm a complete moron. You know, I'm a complete idiot when it comes to uh, music. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask things that gonna, are going to sound ridiculous, but so there'll be simple questions. So there'll be, yeah, me. there'll be, yeah, <laughs> there'll be kindergarten size questions. It won't be any like, I won't be able advanced to, theory. No, but yeah, there's, and there's no test. There's no, you don't have to, oh, good. you don't have to read any music sheets or anything like that. But you're, a, what's interesting is you're a drummer. I am. Now this is something that's even in the music world. This is a different whole other animal you know it's like like the horn guys have their own little world that they live in and they definitely do <laughs> and and you guys are in a whole other place so yeah so first to even get started um your local guy grew up on long island right in this town in this very that town we're in yes that's right in lindenhurst <laughs> yep um were you always a drummer i mean did, when did you start doing that i i started playing the drums when i was 10 years old okay is that late or is that or for 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 like, it's, I don't know. 
I, I mean, it seems like a good age to start. <laughs> I think some people have started a lot younger and why or did later. You, and why was it that? What was the, what was what were you doing that that made you go that? Well, way? you know, when you're in elementary school and they come around, they say, "Hey, you can play an instrument. We're going to have band, and you can learn something." Well, when I was, I guess, nine years old, they came around in elementary school, and the hottest thing at that time was the devil went down to Georgia. That's right, Charlie Daniels. By Charlie Daniels, yeah. And so I said, "Yeah, I want to play the fiddle. <laughs> I want to play the I want to play the violin." And little did I know that's a really hard instrument and you're not just going to play the devil went down to georgia you're gonna it's gonna be like right and you're gonna sound awful so i quickly did not that's it take it up and just because i wanted to play the coolest thing and they didn't offer guitar okay you know, i was like i was just thinking what's the coolest instrument and the first thing was guitar and they weren't offering they that were. so it was like the second coolest in my mind at that moment was charlie daniels devil went down to georgia oh yeah i want to play the fiddle no, no. no fiddle and i just packed that thing up i didn't even touch it and so i had to wait the next year to play the next coolest instrument which was drums so in eric howe's mind guitar fiddle it probably would yeah <laughs> it probably i know right that is weird so it was charlie daniels yeah, that's true yeah but right. uh yeah i guess i probably would have been a guitar player if Right, if the cool, if, if they the offered that, so, I don't know why they didn't so, offer that. But drums, man. I mean, did you did you have a facility for it right away as a kid, or is 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 rhythm is that kind of time timing in your head already built in, or what? I don't think it's. I mean, you can you can have, you know, an affinity for it, right? If you have good rhythm, but I don't think it. For me, it was something I had to develop. Yeah, you know, especially like keeping time and. A steady groove right yeah i, I mean, mean that's something you've got to really practice and internalize yeah. so did you go to mom or dad and be like i gotta get a kit now and well you know it was <laughs> well it was the classic thing of we'll start you out on a pad and yeah we don't want to wake the neighbors we don't want to spend a lot of money and listen right. to this racket and right. see if you like the pad and right. i mean what is <laughs> Even today, it's like, it's, <laughs> yeah. I'll pull out a pad at my girlfriend's and be like, this is going to be really boring for you. Because <laughs> it's just kind of like calisthenics. And what are you listening to as a kid that uh, that you're digging at the time? Is it, is it like we all did, like Zeppelin and Yeah, and Henry definitely. And definitely. Zeppelin was huge influence. Yeah. Led Zeppelin. And, even, even now to this day. And is it is it Zeppelin, Zeppelin or is it John Bonham? I mean, is well, it's Led Zeppelin, yeah, it's, and it's yeah, John Bonham, right, and that kind of that aesthetic and way of playing kind of permeates a lot of contemporary music. Yeah, so you can get really far. <laughs> you can get really far with just John Bonham alone. <laughs> wow! All right, cool. You can, but yeah, I got into a lot more, and and well, obviously, yeah, yeah. and. So it, in the beginning, it's it's rock, it's rock music, it's 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 yeah, it was the Beatles. Beatles. It was the t it was very typical. Um, Beatles, Stones, Who, Zeppelin, right? You know, like there's like the big five, right? And I used to play along to the radio, WBAB. All right, that's right. Yeah, and I you know. When I was growing up, uh, so I got the first drum set, and it was just some kind of Sears, like I don't know, <laughs> right. name piece of crap right. that i beat the hell out of 
and we used to have, you know, like, I don't know if you remember, you're old enough to remember these one piece units, these stereo units that yeah, have like absolutely. a turntable, yep. an eight track, a cassette player. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even a cassette, yeah, just an eight track yeah. and, and, um, a radio right. and it's got two speakers. This is one giant piece of furniture, right. you know, I used to pull that thing right up to the drum set and I couldn't get it to go any louder because <laughs> I was progressively getting louder, louder and heavier. <laughs> and, um, so it had an output jack, and I bought an amp, and I used to crank it through this wow. rolling keyboard amp. So you just played drums along, right next to a stereo, cranking out the tunes. Yeah, mostly on re my brother's records and, wow, and the radio, and we even had eight tracks. Yeah. Did you? How many siblings do you have? I have one. Just one brother. Did yeah, he, he's five was years he, old. Did he play music? Did he? Was he involved in anything? No, but he was really into, you know, a lot of music like rock music. Like Zeppelin and Sabbath and stuff like that. So that influenced me. And then he was also into like a lot of the progressive rock bands like, like Yes and yes, Genesis. And, and I kind of latched on to the whole Genesis Phil Collins thing okay. pretty hard. I, you know, maybe because Phil Collins was lefty and he, he was super popular you were Southpaw. in the That's 80s. Right. Yeah. yeah okay. So, I mean, I used to have a drum set that was basically Phil, Phil Collins <laughs> drum set. He became more of the... Right, the hero for me, the oh, archetype. You know, I did not yeah. know that. Wow. All yeah. right, but uh, you never, you never included the vocals in yours. <laughs> no, I mean, I'd probably be a bazillionaire. <laughs> yes, I, you. If I went that route. <laughs> so you, you and Vinny both went to um, uh, the cultural the cult, arts cultural arts center. Yeah. yeah, right. So. What was that like? And you were there before him, right? You went. It, it was, I think he he mentioned to me that he got there and you were you were already there, or you you stayed longer, or some shit like that. I, I think I was there a year before him, right? And then our friend Mike Coffey was he was there the year before me, okay? And um, so I went there two years. So what is that experience like when you're a young kid and now you're in with all these other? kids who can play who can yeah. who can really you know who are you know the bar gets raised a little bit what's that yeah there's a lot of musicians but musicians but not just musicians there were um theater people and dance right. drama visual arts right so what is that what's you know that it was like it was modeled after you know the fame right school in right. new york which is the LaGuardia high school for the performing arts this was like the long island <laughs> version of right. it yeah. yeah right and there were some really great teachers there and um yeah you, you you're just like thrown into like this melting pot with all these kids from all over right. different districts of long and island were you, was it was the talent level did, well, did it you know surprise you when you got in there it's like well now i'm in a place where it's like a conservatory where there's, where there's... It, it definitely had that vibe um and yeah there were definitely some standout players yeah, yeah. and um you know it was mostly like classical based oriented because a lot of the teachers were from juilliard and oh really so on but there was this one guy there who was the head of the jazz department his name was dave burns okay and uh he's a bit of a legend to a lot of us on Long Island, actually, a lot of musicians know, knew about him. And um, he was a trumpeter who played in uh, Dizzy Gillespie's band in oh, the 40s. Wow. wow. So many of us that were more, you know, like rock right. kind of musicians who hadn't been exposed to real jazz 
kind of gravitated towards Dave, and Dave was very cool. All right, so this, <laughs> so let's get into this because this is because uh, you also while you're here is you, you you're bringing the funk later, which is what that's, that's yeah that's what we know. We kind of yeah. There's a lot of stuff, but you're, I mean, you're you you start with the listening to rock, and then and now jazz becomes an influence. What what is that like when you first hear that? It's got to be like was it? Did you dig it right away or? Well, I think the first my first exposure to jazz was more of like the fusion kind of okay. stuff, which kind of, you know, you can get to from the rock right. thing. Right. So it went rock to the fusion, but then I realized that it wasn't really like jazzy jazz, jazz, jazz. <laughs> <laughs> and then Dave Burns kind of right. set us all straight all right, on so what that was about. <laughs> so set me straight, you know... Uh, Give me a briefer. What what is what is it? I mean, what what, what is need, jazz? What do we need to know about? That's a it? heavy question. See, man, I come with the, that's deep. I come with the fucking big artillery right off the bat. Well, if you ask ten different people, you might get ten different answers. All right, but um, jazz is Louis Armstrong. Okay. Uh, Miles Davis. Mm. Um, when I think jazz, I'm thinking, and again, I'm talking as a layman out my ass. I'm thinking improvisational, uh, 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 very organic, kind of a thing. Um, not that there's no, not that the craft isn't the same, but less crafty. You know what I mean? Less written. I, am I wrong? Is is that a big part it of it? It can be written, and it's mixed. Impro improvisation is a big part of it. Yeah. And um, there can be written. Right. Um, there can be written music. Right. That also involves. Now, this is a question. I, this is this is an interesting question because talking about improvisation in in jazz and any kind of music, are you the one guy in that setup that I mean, how much do you have to control the time? Like, in other words, can you play off of the other music? Can you riff? Can you do that as a, or are you or is your job so important to keep that time? Do they have to play off you? How does that work as a, as a drummer? I mean, yes to everything you said. <laughs> You're everyone's listening to each other, right? In in the best setting, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> With the best players, everyone's listening to each other, and you are all playing off of each other, and you are um, improvising. Right. Sometimes creating something out of nothing. Sometimes right. improvising over a form. Sometimes playing a through composed piece, right, and then boom, make a jazz noise here or something. <laughs> like, there's, it's it, it, the the one thing about jazz is there's so it, it, there's so many different types of jazz. Okay, alone, you know, yeah. it can be subdivided into all these different styles. Right, and I guess my my question really is like because the drummer is kind of the the metric the 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 beat of the of the thing can you like is there room for going off that like is that you know you know what i mean like i'm, I'm not phrasing it correctly but are, well i think I, I think i know what yeah. you mean you mean like playing Keep, keeping time yeah yeah, right, like yeah right. disregarding the time yeah right I mean, sure okay all right so they if can. if you're with the right people that <laughs> are into that right. <laughs> or if if you're not you might get a dirty look it okay. depends i mean the kind of jazz that i guess 
I like is more rooted in the blues. Okay. So it really kind of always comes back to that with, with basically every kind of music right? for me is like music that is coming out of a blues thing. So when you go back to something like Led Zeppelin, right. They're coming out of a blues thing. When right. you go like Miles Davis, Louis Armstrong, it's all coming out of a blues thing. Okay. And the further it gets away from that, I tend to not really be as interested, but there are definitely some amazing. Sure. There's some amazing things so, happening. So as there you, as well, as you go along, uh, learning your craft, do you have heroes? Like, as uh, do they change? Like we talked about Bonham as a kid. I mean, yeah. do they remain or do they, or do you get different kind of influences as you move along? Definitely. You go through, I mean, lately I've been, it's, it's interesting that we're talking about the whole high school thing because with this whole pandemic and there hasn't been a, a lot of movement. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been really going many places other than Long Island yeah, and right. visiting my dad. It's, it's, I've been kind of going back to a lot of those original influences and checking them out and seeing, you know, what maybe like, what did I like and why did I like it? And do I still like it? And sometimes the answer is yes, and sometimes the answer is what was I thinking? Why was I listening to that? <laughs> All right, well let's 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 get a couple of examples of that one. Do you, you know what, what did you like? What do you still like? Um, what are you finding is, you still like? Yeah, or? this is good. This is interesting. Uh, well, you know, Chick Corea. So Chick Corea was a huge influence on right. a lot of people, and at the time when I was coming up, it was like you know a lot of the teachers and drum teachers and. You know, um, school teachers right. were like, "You got to check this out. You got to check. You got to check this Chick Corea out." You know, and he played. There a lot of different drummers played with Chick Corea. You know, anyone from like Steve Gadd to Roy Haynes, who's a famous jazz drummer. So that encompasses just like a major chunk okay. of, of right. that music, and within just his discography right. there's like so many different styles that you can slice up so right. and some of it is amazing and some of it i don't really want to listen to but it's all person it's all depends on right taste the person your own, your own personal yeah. taste you know it's it, it, you can go into this whole like right microcosm yeah and it, and i would imagine it 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 uh it has a sense memory to your life it has like when you listen to it, there's, oh, absolutely. there's chapters of where you were at. Well, yeah. And it's like, I keep coming back to this, just driving over here. <laughs> I was like driving down Willwood Avenue saying, I, I remember doing, listening to this right on this corner right here. <laughs> <you know? laughs> right, that's right. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like... It's my high school years in this town. You That's know? cool. Yeah. And, like and we, my college years. And like we talked, one of the other guests who was on here was John Hampson from Nine Days. And he right. said you guys worked in the same they music store. Down the street at the music store. <laughs> That's yeah. Crazy. I know. That's amazing. So, all right. So let's get back to your in, um, your in the cultural arts uh, thing. Yeah. Are you hooking up with other players and forming like, you know associations and band like coffee becomes a friend Vinny becomes a friend yeah. like are you starting to play together i, I mean, used to that... have musicians come over to my house and we would in the basement we would have jam sessions <laughs> that's awesome yeah and what were you jamming back then well <laughs> you know we would play rock i would, I would just like a kind of it's kind of been the blueprint for like my whole career is you know 
we would have like I would have a set of musicians come over that were into rock music and right. we would play that style or there would be a set of musicians that were very adept at jazz right. and come over and have a jazz session that's cool you know and at what point and then later on as it even developed further coming at, out of that at what point do you know that you're good <laughs> I don't even you I don't know now? I don't really I'm not sure I think I think we can <laughs> We can probably probably just look at the resume and figure it out. But I mean, I, I, when do you know that it's like okay, I, I I fit here. I can I can do this with these people. I could I could do a gig or I or could... or just you knew that you belonged and you and this was something and this was something you were going to do as a career path. Oh, that I think in high school well, there was a lot of practicing. And okay. once again, like lately I've been practicing <laughs> probably, you know, probably more than I've been, than I, the, the type of practicing more than, uh, I have done in, in recent years. Just and it's, of it's, it's very similar to the type of practicing I was doing in high school, Okay, which was very, I used to practice eight hours a day. I would literally oh, practice the drums eight hours a day Jesus. in high school. And now I can't do the things that I used to do. I don't even know how I could do them. But I think that goes hand in hand with taste wise. Like I don't want to do some of the things that I used to do because maybe it was kind of tasteless and you wouldn't be able to get away with it on a gig. You know, there was this thing I was thinking of that I, I, earlier when I was practicing that I wanted to talk about actually that I, there was this article where there was like these neuro neuro pathways mm -hmm. in your brain and they just if you keep doing something over and you over a nice deep groove into it yeah but if you stop doing it those pathways like dry up That's it. and i feel that way about practicing the drums like certain things that i stop doing they're kind of buried in there and i'm, I'm actually trying to get them back right for just to have them right you know because it's like a toolbox right. that you, where you have Right. So, and, and I would assume it's that way with acting. Of course it is. I mean, as a or fact, any art. I mean, I haven't been, I haven't gotten to do live theater where I'm, and I used to do it all the time in the 90s and early 2000s. I, I was on stage all the time, show after show after show. Yeah. And uh, we were thinking about, I haven't been on stage in like 20 years. I've done, done film stuff and all that stuff. But if I had to get up and learn a, a, a play and be physically, you have to be in, pretty decent physical condition vocally and physically to do that right and mentally uh same with terrifying yeah <laughs> if i had to do that right now i'd be terrified yeah so what you mentioned some of the things that uh you can't do or you're trying to recover some of the neural pathways you're trying to recover give me an example even if i don't understand what the fuck you're talking about just well it's mostly like what they call chop stuff like okay playing fast and okay you know Stuff that, like, if you did it on a gig, you'd be fired. <laughs> and you kind of left it behind because you didn't really need to do it as much. Okay. Because Not, not my know. tempo. <laughs> great movie. That is a great movie. Even though there's a lot of controversy about that movie. but Whiplash. Why, why is, what's the controversy of, of Whiplash? A lot of jazz musicians or educators were like, this is terrible. This guy is... Uh, <laughs> a monster. A monster that nobody should be allowed to teach like that. But they think they were missing the point of the artistic... Yes. Uh, direction of the movie. <laughs> right. It's a movie. Yeah. Well, it was like a surrealist comedy. Right. About the fears going on in someone's head. 
right. who is in a conservatory setting. Right. And and the the, the dangers of drive, overdrive. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it was very surreal. Right. I thought it was. I only watched it once, and I thought it was amazing. That's great. Yeah. Well, that, but people, I feel like a lot of people couldn't see. Right. They were just offended. <laughs> <laughs> they were offended because the music was kind of dumb. Right. It wasn't really like real jazz or whatever. Right. right, right. I like it because it's a, it it got what's his name his Oscar and he he's been a journeyman actor for a thousand years that yeah. guy and he, he got an Oscar out of that so what's I, his name oh uh, the fuck is that guy's name now I, I, I this is the second time on this podcast somebody he's brought in, him up and I forget his name every time he's in the State Farm commercial he's yeah he's everywhere he's everywhere <laughs> and he's been everywhere for a long time but that was his big thing I'll get it I'll, I'll I saw him on the train once oh yeah and it was one of those like <laughs> I just looked at him and I went. And he was like, I've had that a lot with actors where I just, I don't want to, I don't want to go up to him and bug him, but mostly because I can't remember their name. Like we <laughs> can't remember this poor guy's yeah, name right. right now. But, um, J.K. Simmons. To, okay. Yeah. J.K. Simmons. Simmons. That is his name. Oh, fuck. And, uh, you know, like I've, I've given him this like look like, and they just go, yes, <laughs> it's you, me. It's me. me. Leave me alone. <laughs> right. I leave him alone. I have a great story about Lou Reed. All right, Mr. New York. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, and Vinny was there and we were just talking about this recently and it was one of these kind of like, yes, you realize what I am. <laughs> leave me alone. We were pulling up to, I don't know if you remember this club called the knitting factory mm. or the original one, which was in the lower East side. Right. Downtown. And yeah. We were going there to see a show me and Vinny and we, we were late and, but we didn't know what time it was cause we didn't wear watches <laughs> and we pulled up in a cab and I got out of the cab and there's this guy walking by and I said, Hey man, what time is it? And he looked at me and he went 10 to eight. And I, right when he said it, I was like, and he just went, <laughs> I was like, okay, bye. <laughs> Lou Reed gave you the time. There's something. Uh, Lou Reed gave me the time of day. There's something fucking deep about that. He, did, he, did, he gave, he me, gave the me the time of day. That's fucking awesome. But I didn't pursue it. I wasn't like, oh my god. So, so what, uh, what, what, what are the things that you are looking at where you like? I can't fucking believe I listened to that. That's the <laughs> other half of that question, which is some stuff you're trying to recover, and somewhere you're like, well, okay. I can't really was it quiet I try not to think about it. <laughs> well see that stuff to me is just like kitschy it's yeah, just like right. that's fun too. it's fun I'll listen to that anytime <laughs> right. like hair metal yeah. I will do, because I go on a lot of long drives so that's just fun. when you get with someone that knows all that dumb stuff <laughs> right it's just funny to me you know fucking it's uh, because I know it all like yeah. rat and <laughs> winger Warren and we'll just laugh right it's just so funny. It's just recorded so badly. And it's just kind of bad. Well, it's so bad. It's good for exactly. Like it, yeah. And All it's right. just endless. And I could, you could put on a playlist and I'll be like, Oh yeah, this one, <laughs> you know, like smooth up in you right. or whatever, <laughs> you know, it's like, what? So at what point, so I'm not ashamed of that. No, there's nothing. To be I keep ashamed peeking of. out the mics here. Yeah, no, there's nothing to be ashamed of. I'm not ashamed of that. No, I mean, there's really nothing. I mean, see, my whole thing was I want to be a studio musician. Okay. Really was the original plan. So in order and to be, why and why? Yeah, why? Why? I just like that idea. I kind of maybe missed it a little by a few years because I mean, like in the seventies, it was mm, yeah. you could you could make a killing and there was a lot of work. But okay. I was, you know, ten. <laughs> I was like nine years old. But um. Why did I want to be a student? Yeah, as I opposed liked, to, you know, uh, 
was it is it just the idea of it's a get it's a work it's a working man's kind of job it as is, opposed to a performing? Yeah, I do have that working man's ethic. Right, okay. You know. It's like my, my father's an electrician. Yeah. My brother's an electrician. They're in the union. <laughs> right. They got right. their tools. <laughs> right. You know, so it's like I have that instilled in me, you know, you gotta go work and do a job. So it's like my tools are the drums. Right. And I, I go and I do a job. So when you're a studio musician, you don't really you're supposed to go in with an open mind. You're not supposed to judge. You're supposed to play what's best for the music, what the producer wants, what the artist wants. And um, you're supposed to do a good job. Right. And so you have to check all these things at the door. Right. Your, your whole, do I like this? <laughs> right, right. And sometimes you have to play stuff that really, really sucks. <laughs> and you have to be like... You don't have to be like, oh, I'm loving this and be fake, but right. you've got to play with conviction. Right, right. You're accommodating the, the artist that's, that's, that's in the studio. Yeah. So it's not in turn. I can't really like pinpoint one thing that I might have listened to. Like, wh why was I into that? Yeah. Like, I, I, if I was, if I thought about it a long time, maybe I could, right. but it's just so. Right. Like a lot of people, like you could put something on and they'll be like, turn this off. And I'll just be like, you find the very few things bug me. All right. Well, that's good. That works. Especially if you're going to be a studio musician. Yeah. <laughs> it, but that's like, a, I think that's like a skill that you like, right. you work on, yeah, you yeah. know, you, 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 over time of like not being offended. Right. It's just music. Yeah. And so, I mean, of course, some things I like. Right. A lot more than others. Do you? Some are, things stand the test of time. Are you, you know? listening to different things now at this very moment than than even in the recent past? Like, are you you always looking for new things? Or, or? I'm kind of at a point where I'm. What I'm doing is uh, going over the past and seeing what I missed. All right. You know, over the last, like, um, you know, thirty <laughs> years. <laughs> So, you know, it's like when at, at the coming of age, it was like this whole grunge rock thing. Right. You know. Right. And I played in some of those types of bands <laughs> in the early 90s, you know. And um, I'm just like going through all these different decades. Right. And saying, okay, what, what, did, I, what did I miss in a certain genre or. What did you come up with? Not much. I think. I, I, I mean, if you got any suggestions, I'm yeah, open. I don't know. You know, I have no idea. I missed. I, I missed nothing. Half I mean, the last thirty years myself. So yeah, I, there's. I mean, sometimes it's just it just can be it just gets to a point where it's just all music. Yeah. You know, that's that's the way I look at it right. at this point. Like, there's just it's just all music, and there's different right uh, textures and sounds, and. Um, so out of let's get you out of um uh the cultural arts are you are you playing in bands by this point before you go to because you eventually going to go to berkeley not college. really no no you're not like playing. a lot of my friends were playing yeah. in like hard rock metal bands right, and right. they're playing like all the clubs on long island right. and i was friends with those guys but i wasn't really doing that i kind of wanted to but i was mostly just practicing like a like a wow. maniac just wow. like practicing the drums wow yeah. So when do you first? <laughs> when do you first get? I didn't know that. I thought I figured. I assumed like everybody else. You're out practicing drum so much. I was practicing today. 
features. You can practice. I got two spoons. That's all I got. I don't have any <laughs> yeah. sticks. But uh, so, at, what's the what's the first point where you get up live with a with a with a group and a band? Is it post college? Is it in college? Is it, it was in college. Okay, it was so, a rock band. Okay, so so let's I went talk about Berkeley College let's, of Music. That's it. Yeah. Let's talk about that because that's a huge music conservatory. Yeah. And, and Vinnie Nigro, Vinny our Nigro, friend, yes, he was there as well. Yes, and, indeed. Uh, many many other uh, illustrious graduates of the Berkeley School yeah. of Music. Yeah. So what's what's that experience like when you're in? It's all day, every day. Yeah. Just soaked in it. It's just intense. It's like crazy musicians. <laughs> obsessed with music practicing doing set you're lit you're in this whole it's like a whole society like unto itself mm. on like mass ave you know where it's and and now today i mean i haven't been up there in a while but it's just like with the technology it must be amazing oh sure i mean it's through the roof but you know you would have sessions you would have classes all day you would practice you could just grab a practice room and practice for hours you could practice wow. a, a piano practice room and play piano for hours wow. and yeah if any, you'd have sessions at he nights. was telling me that you know you'd be eating lunch and fucking people are playing and it's just it's just yeah, they'd constant have concerts in the cafeteria <laughs> yeah at night mostly crazy rock concerts and that's awesome so and berkeley is like a special school because it's like all the misfits wind up at berkeley why there's like serious jazz guys and then there's like and then there's the berkeley well guys. at that time there was like crazy <laughs> rock guys <you> know? <laughs> right <laughs> it was i mean i was choosing between a few schools but i'm, I'm glad that i went to the berkeley school get, get the berkeley experience the whole boston <laughs> yeah because like i i would go there and it was it's always been like this thing between like you know just jazz or rock jazz or rock okay. so i'd be i'd be playing with the rock guys i would be hanging out with the rock guys and then they'd see me playing the jazz and they'd be like Ew, you're a jazzer. <laughs> and then I'd be like playing jazz and the jazz guys would see me like drunk with a rock guy and like, what were you doing with that rocker? That's crazy. So are are you do you get ex exposed to I mean I imagine the 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 instruction the 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 kind like you said the guy in in, in uh, the cultural arts thing right who are the kind of people that what, what were the kind of instructors you're getting at berkeley what, what are they doing to yeah you? it's a revolving cast there's a bunch of different teachers up there yeah. that are really great and there's a whole curriculum i think it's changed yeah over the years but and what do you what do you learn like what did what did you find did you find major growth in those it's, few years yeah it, it's endless really like all that stuff is studying music is just endless right and it's just it never ends i feel like you're 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 reading my you're boring your eyes through my head right now yeah it's it's fucking frightening actually <laughs> <laughs> i'm 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 as i'm about as intimidated as really? in any interview as i've ever been in because i i have no i'm just leaning forward i'm not like leaning back no it's okay yeah get yourself comfortable i'm just trying to i'm uh, trying to get a good sound good, yeah. this is uh <laughs> I feel like Howard Stern. Yeah, you're freaking me out. This is what Howard Stern does. He gets really close yeah. to the mic. And... <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, okay, all right. I'm, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about because I'm, I'm so well, out you're of talking my, about music. I'm out of my. Depth. I mean, it's it's very detail oriented. Yeah, it's very. Um, they can slice it up into you know you could have and your course, particular they have so many courses. Your particular skill is super physical. 
Well, that's the thing I've been thinking about. And I was just thinking about it today because with this back to this pandemic, I haven't been moving around much and this winter has been crazy. Right. And so, um, yeah, I've just been trying to like get back in shape, get back in shape because now I'm starting to get calls to do, okay. to actually do gigs, <laughs> which I don't know how this is going to work, but I have four gigs on the calendar. They're in the future, but right. I'm not, I'm like, okay, can I even play these things? You know? <laughs> right. But it's kind of cool at the same time because it's like, it's almost like the whole slate has been wiped clear and it's like, you know, the, as crazy as this past year has been, you have to be able to like, look at like, okay, this was a time where we like really took a look at, um, you know, what do you, what do you really want to do yes. with the rest of your Absolutely. life? You know? Absolutely. And, and you were forced to do that. Right. And it happened for you, people like you and I, it happened to coincide with a particular turning of the clock of our lives a particular number we flipped over here right right you know, so big five oh yeah you start yeah. to start to think all right i gotta got some time to reflect on what yeah. the fuck i didn't do or did do or whatever yeah and so you know at the same time that i've been like going back and looking over you know what i may have missed and reviewing the past you know you're also like thinking okay what are we going to do next you know all right well let's uh let's go linear let's review a little more of the past and then we'll figure out what we're going to do next. okay i like all this right, this so is like therapy yeah exactly. should i lie down on the couch uh, as long as you don't take your shoes off <laughs> i mean so, i feel like i need that actually i feel like i need musical therapy yeah yeah I don't know who, who would be, who would, I don't know if would, there's like a specialist because, you know, a lot of people like are just always like, oh, I know exactly what I'm doing. And I like, I, there have been times when I've known exactly what I'm doing, like but, musically right. and exactly what I was into, right. but it's changed, right? you know, and it's, it's, it's kind of a reflection do of you, the bigger societal thing. Do you need thing, you know? uh, inspiration? Are you I do. Sorry. Right, so I do. So what? What inspired you in the past? What kind of things, uh, you know, got you up to be like, I want, I'm ready to play. I want to play. I want to get up there and do it. What were your inspirations? Well, a lot of, a lot of what I realized about playing the drums and being a musician and, and having this whole lifestyle was, was more about just the feeling, you know, the feeling of being on stage and playing. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a high that comes with, that you're releasing releasing the endorphins and all that yeah, right. when you're playing the drums on a stage right and um you can get addicted to that yeah it's the it's the it's not only the physical engagement and the yeah. sonic engagement but there's a energy of an audience that's pumping yeah when, and when it you. all works perfectly it's just like yes yeah that's why a lot of people keep doing it. That's why a lot of musicians just give it away for free. <laughs> it's a problematic way to make a living. It is, yeah, especially now. It's a little yeah. different than it used to be. Sometimes. Yeah, and a lot of people don't understand that part of it. Right. Because it's not just like some other kind of so job you where you so just you, show up and do it. Do you think it's because of the the way of the world right now, the situation of the world, that, 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 you're, that, that inspiration isn't there? You think if you were kind of in the loop of things, it would be easier for you to get up to find that thing that turns you on i mean there's a lot of inspirational things out there yeah and i think you have a choice to it's you know to seek them out right. and not feed yourself garbage 
and okay. it's like in general <laughs> right like you can become complacent and just keep feeding on the garbage right and it's hard when a lot of these things are sensationalized are we still talking about music no. uh, we could be all over <laughs> we, might, we may have strayed but it's all good but i mean it kind of music is life so it's like i could keep feeding myself quote-unquote garbage and whatever is garbage to me maybe one man's <laughs> trash is another man's treasure right. you know or i could feed things that expand my mind and i know when my mind is being expanded right. and when it's just bullshit right 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 and you know and it's not being expanded right now in the way you want i'm it trying no i'm yeah. trying to yeah. um i'm always i'm always checking things out all right i'm always checking things out so let's go back to some of the things that expanded your mind early on yeah without getting too chemical um, <laughs> so out of berkeley now are you thinking all right i'm i'm a professional musician i'm going to be like what's the first steps do you get in a band do you become a studio guy do you like how do you right how do you take that life because it's not a life that just anybody can do yeah well you just try, when i came out of berkeley it was just like i came back to long island i was just like i got a gig i just gotta play gigs okay so i just played gigs and what does that mean is you just hook up like hey we need a drummer like I, I you just listen with, in the I air up with my old friends okay all right and we played gigs i wonder what i did just played like cover gigs and stuff right. and you know played jazz had jazz sessions did jazz gigs around long island tried to get in the city as much as possible and it's just a sort of it's just a sort of referral business at that point where it's just like this guy knows that guy and you're getting in different circles and that that's pretty much how you expand your a career as a musician yeah it's like anything else right you know i'm sure it's that way i mean how is it for actors it's like well i mean it's it's uh it can be that way i mean you especially in in theater and local theater and even even once you get into the broadway kind of situation it there are circles but you still have to go get the gig it's 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 a it's like it's it's a little more rare for somebody to go hey we need a guy who can do this where in your situation i think it's like we need a great drummer i know i know free drummer i know this guy i know that guy and you get into a thing actors it's it's a little more clicky and a little more closed off and you got to kind of break into uh things to get the job it's yeah. also clicky oh is it okay <laughs> all right all right all right cool yeah i mean it can get clicky i mean I, the way that i look at it is i mean i was never into the clickiness of things but I kind of look at that more as like you're um connecting with people that are like-minded right right yeah exactly and are into the same types of things you're into right into the same type of music and into playing the same type of music so when when do you get that because i i i didn't know much about i mean i, I only know you as a as a, a friend you know i don't know yeah. too much about your your career as a musician so i took a look at the website and listened to some of the stuff and looked at all the stuff. When do you get, when's the first time you start getting these gigs where you're, you're sitting in with, uh, you know, Schofield and, and you're sitting in with the, you know, you're doing the, the thing today show with Aaron Neville, or you're doing the Dap Kings or you, and by the way, best fucking band name ever deep and out of blackout deep and out of blackout is the fucking best band name i think i ever heard in my life so wh what's the timeline of some of this success when does this stuff start well to it come may to you when like? you look at the website it may all look like that all just happened of course at once, it does yeah. which is kind of good 
but it's yeah, spanning. Year, right. It's the best of <laughs> of Eric Hal. <laughs> Thirty years of right. So when does that start to happen? I mean, you start form, getting some cool stuff. We, I I joined this. Um, you know, after a lot of just trial and error and like playing gigs and trying to get stuff happening, I joined this band in Connecticut called Tongue and Groove. Okay. And a friend of mine, bass player named Dave Lavolsi, who I went to Berkeley with, who was one of the guys that was a like-minded musician who uh, we, you know, we had a, we had a previous relationship where we, we, we played music up in Boston. He um, called me and said, you're really going to want to play with this band. And it was an R&B soul band, a funky R&B soul band. And this was kind of like the missing link. Here comes the funk. Here comes the funk. <laughs> this was kind of the missing link after all these years of, you know, jazz or jazz right, fusion right, right. and rock and, and, um, you know, I mean, even like the, the whole grunge rock thing that we, we jumped on, uh, this was the thing that was like, I was missing soul, was R&B, soul funk. R&B and funk. Yeah. And I had already kind of dabbled in it a little bit with like groups like tower of power and the, you know, like a f- the funky fusion stuff, but it really was, these guys kind of were like, um, pretty militant about (laughs) i I moved into a house with them in connecticut and they were pretty militant about what you were listening to like uh, like we will not go through your records you won't be needing this this you won't be needing that and just throwing out and like you'll listen to right you know this otis redding record over and over you know so it was kind of like a reschooling it was the stuff that they that i wasn't getting right right previously at berkeley college of music or or any of the schooling right because it's kind of hard to teach that stuff why, it's kind why of, is that because it's just a feeling okay it's so, a feeling and it's listening to the record and it's a lifestyle it's it's like living okay you know those people you know like james brown and otis redding and you know bb king freddie king all the, all the blues and soul artists you can't really kind of put it in a book. Can't write that out. <laughs> you can put a lot of stuff in a book. Right. You can put technical stuff. Right. And you can put you can you can actually teach jazz. Jazz has a lot of things that you can teach, especially harmonically. Okay. But the blues, it's punk, it, it, R&B, you got to kind of have that. You well, <laughs> you got to it comes from listening to a lot of the records and then just playing it and then playing with the right people. What were some and of your just favorite? kind of passed down? It's almost like a as they're, folklore. As they're soaking you know? the shit into you, what is some of the what is some of the stuff that you're really like, "Oh, fuck, that's fucking fantastic." Like what's your favorite shit in that genre? A lot of James Brown, James Brown. Sly and the Family Stone, Parliament Funkadelic, it just became like and then we started going to see all these groups in the city. And then when I was playing like five nights a week wow. all over Connecticut and, um, it was just a, a horn driven band playing just all these classic soul and funk right. tunes. Yeah. And does that evolve into what's, wh- where does that lead you then? That, that does that become kind of a successful, are you, are you well, making it was a, a cover band? It was, it was a, a cover, cover band. band. Okay. So it really didn't, uh, it, we were making a living. We right. were, we were, doing gigs right and it was cool but it was it wasn't like you know at that time a lot of people were like you got to get a record deal and you know this is like the early 90s right right and i threw all that out the window i was just like 
I don't give a shit about getting a record deal. I'm just like into the feeling of playing with this, playing right. this genre specific. All right. You know, and learning all this stuff because I hadn't been exposed to it. Right. You know, bands like the meters and, 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 and James Brown specifically. Right. So does that band evolve into another into the when does the when did the the the, the original stuff start so that out? band kind of breaks up and then we kind of reform and that's when we form deep banana blackout deep banana deep black banana first blackout. of all where's that title come from it, it was a dream that the singer had <laughs> and she was <laughs> deep banana blackout is the true story yes i'll take the true story you could there's a lot of fake stories i'll take anyone that you give me i'll believe it <laughs> the true story is uh the lead singer had a dream and she walked up on a giant mushroom <laughs> And the guitar player was sitting on top of it, smoking out of a hookah. <laughs> and he said, we have to call the band Deep Banana Blackout. <laughs> and she laughed so hard that she fell out of bed there and woke you, up. That's it. And then she told me that. And I said, if we don't call this band Deep Banana Blackout, I quit. <laughs> when it comes from on high like that. Yeah. When it comes from the ether. All right. You got to fucking pay attention to it. And that's that. So we kind of incorporated a lot of the sounds that were happening, you know, with like the classic soul and funk sound. We were kind of that whole 90s kind of alt rock sound got oh, okay. incorporated because we brought Fuzzy in. The our friend Fuzzy. Guitar player. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Fuzzy. Yeah. <laughs> and Fuzzy was more, you know, he was well rounded. Is he still alive? <laughs> Yeah, he's probably he might watch this. At yes, some point. he might watch this, <laughs> and is well rounded and was into just breaking out of. We were we, were, you know, it's like anything. You go into, you go into this like study of like just one genre, right? And you do it long enough, and you're just like, ah, I want to play anything but that now, <laughs> right? Right? You know, right? And so we we got to this point where we just wanted to create whatever we were into at that time and, it, and, and it, not restricting it and, it and being a, and being original and writing music that was a big part of and it. who now this is an interesting thing because i've had a couple of songwriters on here and, and musicians and and how they write and how they think but from a from a drummer's perspective who's writing the music and what is your role in is it just like they they're bringing uh melodies and and lyrics to a thing and then you kind of you put your thing on it or like are you how do you contribute there's a lot of different ways that it can happen. Okay. Um, someone can come in with something completely written out and right. have an idea of what's happening and you play it down. That's more like the studio musician role where like, right. I know exactly what I want and, here, and then you're right. just a studio. But when a band create, there's a way that a band can create a piece of music together. It takes a little longer. Mm-hmm. But there's something about it that happens, and a lot of bands do it this way, where they just keep fine-tuning something over and over that they're working on, an idea. And then everybody gets writing credit. Right. But from, your pers from the drummer's perspective, what are, you, what are you doing differently than kind of what they're doing you know the guitar player the lyricist the where like are you are you just I'm finding playing, a groove you, you, i'm playing the fat nasty beats that's bro. right <laughs> <laughs> you 
Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. You're playing the fat, nasty beat. Why did I, why did I think of that? I told you. I'm laying down the funk. <laughs> well, that was obvious. I should have I should have seen that one coming. Yeah, you're laying down the funk. But within that situation, do you get a chance to be as... I guess I'm looking for this, like, improvisational kind of thing. Like, like time out. Check this out. You know, where you're throwing in your own... You well, know. yeah. I mean, you can come up with all different kinds of directions. I mean, it's a great way to make music, I think, is where you bounce ideas off of yeah. each other. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. I mean, that, I mean, that's the problem, going back to this pandemic. I mean... We're all alone in our just uh, making music alone. <laughs> now everyone's supposed to be like uh, Prince. Everyone's supposed to be Prince now. <laughs> right. Everyone's supposed to be alone in a room, be able to play every instrument <laughs> right. and make amazing music. Right. Everyone is not able to be Prince no. or Stevie Wonder. Right, 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 right. You know? Yeah. And we need, most people need each other to bounce ideas off of. And I think it's that way in movies and of course well i mean most art you know our art my art specifically is my performance is basically useless without that other thing i mean i can i can generate a performance by myself with a camera lens or or a soliloquy or a monologue on stage but i'm still playing off the energy of what's there but it's much better and much more truthful if I'm coming into a scene with an action to play and an objective to thing, and there's another guy or girl in front of me who has a totally different one written with a completely opposite objective, and we clash, and that's where my character is created. I didn't create it. It comes out of the... It rises out of the conflict of the text. Right. So I need the artist. I need the other person, literally, to make it work. Absolutely. We can't just be isolated. I mean, there's only so far I can go by myself. Right. You know? All right. And I mean, and this pandemic has forced me to to hone in on those skills of, you know, practicing piano and becoming a more well-rounded musician. Do you record? But I look at those as like those things as like raw materials. Yeah. You know, and maybe sometime before I die, I'll be able to write a whole song on my own. But <laughs> I've been focused more on drums up until this right. time. So I mean, that's maybe another good thing about this. Yeah. Past so year, that's interesting. You know. So, so you, have you ever kind of just you've never done that really, where you just record, you write your own kind of piece. Your own I mean, self. I have a, a million un, <laughs> unfinished ideas. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> to yeah, be honest, we all have that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's a it's a different it's a different discipline altogether. So let me go back to that band for a second because I read what was the chant? Wasn't there some oh, kind the of deep banana blackout? The chant. Deep banana. There was a chant they gave. Deep. Them banana blackout that's how it went deep banana blackout (laughs) (laughs) a guy named we um maceo parker who's james brown's saxophone player we opened up for him in the early days of the band and uh i was literally like (laughs) i was literally in the balcony when he was playing after we opened up for him i said i said what man Maceo doesn't even know who we who we are. He didn't even see our set. He doesn't even care about us. And like literally, right as I'm saying that, he's on stage going, "Give it up for Deep Banana Blackout, Deep 
banana black. He's like chanting right, right. the name of the band over and over, and the whole audience starts chanting. <laughs> <laughs> and Fuzz is looking at me like, I think he knows who we are, you know. And that later became that became a thing, part of the be, show. Yeah. And it became incorporated into some tracks uh, yeah. for uh, John Schofield, right? Is, oh I, yeah, well the John Schofield thing. Yeah, he took that chant. He didn't use the vocal part of it, but he took the rhythm. Yeah. So it went around in a circle. When it started, Maceo came up with it, and then Sco took it. And Incredible. It was just like a motif. So when do you start to get involved in those circles? Where you, where well, we were playing a lot of festivals, and the and the band was growing, and we were getting around. And you know, at that time, this was like so the late '90s, and this jam band scene happened, right. and we we got involved in that, <clears throat> and that was great because that opened wide up, and and people were just doing this whole jam band thing. You you could at that time you could be into whatever you were into, you know, and there was a. There was, it didn't have to be, you know, alternative or blues or it, you could play a blues tune. You could play a rock tune. You could play a funk tune. Right. You could stretch out on a crazy improv improvisation and the audience was going with you and it was a great time and there were a lot of festivals. So we started doing these festivals and, and, uh, John Schofield is a great jazz guitar player. He was, he saw that happening and he started getting involved with those festivals and we met up and he liked my playing and um invited me over to his house and we we jammed and then he i played on this record called bump with him which was really awesome great experience and he's an awesome so talk person. about that experience when you're when you're when a uh you know jazz virtuoso guitar player legendary character dig, yeah. digs your stuff and well that was i was, I was like walking on thin uh, walking on thin air that doesn't make sense <laughs> I was walking on thin air. I was walking. You're walking on broken glass. Dude, that was the next thing I was going to do. I know. What was yeah. that, Annie Lennox? Annie Lennox, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, broken glass. I was, what was it? I was walking on air? Is yeah, you were walking on air. You were above the ground because it was so Is intense. that the same? Yeah, you were walking on air. I was walking on air. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, going back to the Berkeley school, I mean, he's like a hero of of that whole. Okay scene you know because he's like a jazz rock guitar player legend who, who just kind of seamlessly fused those two styles together and was always a person like man if you if you play with sco you you made it so that was a big deal so take me to the if you can remember take me to the where where he approaches you with this because i assume it was him who said hey you want to go i come think i kind of engineered it i don't think he approached me <laughs> all right that's fine well he, we we were at the we were playing at this festival called the gathering of, of the vibes which was a festival that happened in connecticut every year for about 20 years i don't know it was a great festival we played it every year from its beginning to i don't know maybe it i can't remember anything anymore it's maybe all 20 there, like i said there won't be a test there'll be yeah. no marks yeah, nobody's going to say whatever the fuck. Is you somebody going to use Snopes if yeah. I say something? <laughs> nobody gives a shit. Twenty sixteen, maybe First of all, was the last. Nobody's year, watching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, 
he was there playing with his band and he was hanging out backstage and I went up to him and I asked him to sit in with our band because uh, it was that was the environment right, it was right, this right. it was this cross-pollination kind of everyone was doing it so he was like yeah i'd love to sit in with your band and he's like what are we gonna play and i was like i don't know we got this tune you could play a solo on and that's so I cool we, i can't even remember what it was now but um just that alone i was like oh my god yeah right i played with Sco. yeah and then um he called me up and he was like, Hey man, that was great. You want to come by my house? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and I just thought we were just going to jam. And right. then we jammed. And then after we played at his house, I you know, went over there with um, my friend, Dave, the bass player. And um, after that, he called me and said, Hey, you want to play on my next record? And I was like, great. And wow. I thought that was going to be it. And then he was like, hey, you want to go on tour with me? Wow. I was like, okay. Yeah, that's awesome. So it was a great experience. It was amazing. How, where did you Where did you go? What was the tour? I just did like some West Coast and Colorado stuff. That's neat. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. When you're, I mean, when you're playing with, when you're playing up a notch on these, with, with these, with whatever players, whatever different players, are there, is there a give and take that you can sense, like uh, actors can feel it? when you're acting with somebody or, you know, I heard uh, hockey players say when, you know, playing with somebody like a Gretzky puts it, it makes it easier because the puck is right on your stick. You don't have to think about it. Or when you're acting with someone who's giving you the truth right in front of you, the, the, the job is easier. Is it the same way when you're playing with, you know, these top guys and you're just jamming, it just feels like, oh, this is easy. It just flows, you know? Yeah. Well, he's definitely one of the types of musicians that, um, just wants you to I got you here because I want you to do your thing okay and I feel like those situations are always gonna make better music and are always way more comfortable because they're not telling you he's not telling me anything right he didn't tell me anything he's just like let's play and there's been a couple of times where I've had that and I feel like that's the best music and then you know conversely there's some you know I've been in the studio where someone like is putting every little note under a microscope <laughs> and it's like okay yeah it's it maybe right. something good came out of it but it's, it doesn't it doesn't feel as organic right. you know you got a a lot of um leaders the best leaders will find they'll see a player play and they'll say i'm going to use that person i'm going to use that person i'm going to use that person i'm going to get them all together i can hear how they will all work together right. and um get them all in a room and make music and I don't have to do too much right? aside from maybe give you this written thing that I have right. and anything on a sheet of paper yeah, is really just a suggestion. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a guideline more than a rule. <laughs> yeah. Like written music is just like, okay. And yeah. inter you're interpreting it. Right. You know? And that's all art. That's all art. I mean, right. the, the best is the best of it is when you can let go of your preconceived idea and and allow the stuff to flow between artists who kind of know what they're doing. Right. It's like when you're working with a script, you have a script. It's like words written on a piece of paper right. and it's like you're supposed to the actor is supposed to bring it to life. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then the director is supposed to say, well, a little more like this. Right. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And it's the same in music. Right. It's like the musicians are supposed to bring those parts Right. To life. And then the producer or the the composer is yeah. supposed to say Adjust a little the, more like this. Right, right, right. But it's like you can don't over 
yeah. Don't oh no, overdo don't it. Don't overproduce. The, with, yeah, don't <laughs> overproduce. Don't overdirect. It's the same. Right, right. There are so many parallels that right, you can right. draw between, I, at least recording and making a movie. Right. Oh, absolutely. It's it, it, and and that's where people fall into traps is because and it's out of fear. They want to hang on to that picture in their head or they want to hang on to that right. thing real hard. Right. And it's like, let go. You gotta let go of that. You know? But it's like that in life. <laughs> yes, it's like it if is. you say, I, I'm going to take a drive to uh, the beach today. And when I get to the beach, I'm going to do this, and this and this, this. And then you go there and you had a great day, but you're like, wow, that isn't completely like, what i thought it would be right it's like that's what music is that's what art is in general right you, you know, know it's very similar to what's happening right now totally it's very i similar. was thinking that earlier you see that it's this is a giant improvisation <laughs> i have no fun it's all an improvisation yeah, it's all, yeah it's, life is an improv we have no script yeah not even close do you need more beer <laughs> okay i'll have to I'll have to get you another i don't know if i have another stella but i'll, I'll look I'll, I'll dig one out for you but, i almost uh, feel like we're not in a pandemic anymore. And we're we're on the outer skirts, the out the outskirts, the outer edges. Somebody, um, I heard a newscaster use the term um, "reentry anxiety." <laughs> wow, that's dirty. That's fucking dirty, man. <laughs> reentry anxiety. It was Ooh. Lester Holt? Ah, who's always freaking me out every time I see that's that. Because he does Dateline, and he has this like look in his eye, like you're fucked. <laughs> Reentry anxiety. <laughs> yeah, that was his new term. Reentry anxiety. I have. I don't have that. No, I don't have that. I'm good. I'm good with reentering. I mean, entering, reentering. <laughs> it is true. Either way, it is. You just made it dirty. I did. That's my job. <laughs> I just got why it's dirty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, it's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. It's all going to be cool. My dad cool, just said this to me. He's like, it's going to, it's going to be fine, Eric. By the way, your dad's awesome. Your dad is. has come out with us several times, uh, yeah, gone yeah. out uh, having a blast with boys. And, yeah, we're going to do it again. And how old's dad now? He's like... He's like 80... He's fucking fantastic. And he's three. And, and we call him the... What is what's his name? The Commodore? We call him... Is it the Commodore? We call him... The General? Uh, the fucking... What is the it? Chancellor. The Chancellor. <laughs> I knew it was something like that. I knew... And what was funny was we did a Zoom one time. Uh, uh, were you on this one? Where we did a, a Zoom because we couldn't go to Big Daddy's and we all, uh, maybe for Vinny's birthday or something. That's right. And, uh, and I had... You know, I had to... My beard was all white. My hair was all white. And I'm on a thing. And I think it was Fuzz's, Fuzz's girlfriend or wife or whoever was like, Hey, is that the Chancellor? And everybody's like, No, nah, that's... And then we started calling you the... I'm the Vice Chancellor. Vice... It's like, no, nah, he just looks old. He's not 80. The Vice Chancellor. So that's who I am. I'm the fucking Vice Chancellor. Oh, my God. That's why I dyed my hair now, so I don't look like a fucking yeah. Santa Claus anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let, let's let's go back to <laughs> let's go back to uh, a couple of things I want to touch on before I want to get into some other technical stuff. But one is Dap Kings. The Dap Kings. What's the, I, I'm an alien to this. So what is what's that? What's have that you ever about? heard? Chinese I have. I listened to it today. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're in. Yeah, I'm in. And it's um, and the lead uh, singer is um, Sharon Jones. Sharon Jones. And right. she passed away. 2016. Mm. 2016. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's that's 
that's funk r&b type stuff too right isn't it yeah that's what you call like that was like a whole movement underground kind of movement that happened in brooklyn okay that i was very lucky to be part of what what was explain that to me what was going on yeah we'd call it the deep soul revival that's what they call it oh cool they called it the deep soul revival deep soul revival they were probably the premier band of that the dap kings movement where they were making music that was kind of like the type of music they were making in the late 60s early 70s How did that come? How did you get involved in that? How did they find you? Or did you find them? That was when I, shortly after I moved to Brooklyn, after um, I left Deep and Anna Blackout um, in 2003 or four, and then I moved to Brooklyn. By the way, you sound like James Spader. You got a real James Spader-esque cool. quality, which is, that's a compliment. I'm honing in on my... <laughs> I should be an actor someday. Maybe. You should be. You sound. You could do. You could do Spader in a heartbeat. You really? Got, you got him okay. down. Yeah. He's good, right? Yeah, he's real good. He's real cool. good. Cool. Um, yeah. So I I moved to Brooklyn, and my intention in moving to Brooklyn was to play music with like-minded people. Mm-hmm. And um, I always I'm basically all about R and B, soul, funky drumming. <laughs> 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 yes, yes you are and um no i've been playing there yeah no, <laughs> i'm not afraid of re-entering that zone no. um but uh yeah i've been playing with uh, a guitar player named al street and you know like he recommended me for this gig they needed a drummer wow and they were in their early stages i think they they had like two records out and i just was like I, I, I was trying to like hook up with them for a while and get an audition and I kept calling back and forth and finally the, the way that the, my first gig happened was they, they kept using different drummers and they weren't working out and they had some emergency and I was at a party like somewhere in Manhattan I had just gone to like BB King's club or something and I was just hanging out and I got this call and I was like we need you to fly to North Carolina tomorrow. We have a ticket for you. You need to pack a bag. And I'm like, I've been trying to audition <laughs> for this band for for months. Right. And they kept putting me off. They were just using different guys. They just needed, they, they fired their drummer out on the road because wow. he wasn't working out. And they just flew me down and just threw me into the fire. And? It was great. Yeah. We did this first gig and their other, their basically i was the sub drummer for them for like you know five or six years on and off and um their drummer was on the gig the the normal drummer who plays on all the recordings and he was there and he just taught me the whole show on the spot and then we played the first show double drummers oh cool and he was like okay you got it i mean we just like (laughs) we did this we did this rehearsal where it was just at the club i think the club was called the commodore there you go. Uh, the Chancellor. You just said Commodore. <laughs> I did say the Commodore. Um, I had a line something line like that. This place head. in North Carolina. And um, we just kept drinking beers. I was like, they opened the bar and it was just like, I, I think I was wasted by the time 
this first show happened and we just played double drummers and somehow made it through the whole show learning all the music and he was like you got it okay cool I'm I'm out. See, I'm going back to New York, wow. and I just got in the van with them. And just wow! <laughs> and how long did the, did you end up playing? I mean, that first tour was like a two week tour that just Jesus. I got the night before. Wow! And how <laughs> that long, was weird. And how long did you play with them? Talk like you know how long did that thing stay together? Well, they were a band for like I don't know, like almost twenty years. Yeah, they were. They started in like two thousand. Mm. I mean, I was still in Deep and Out of Blackout when they started. But then I played with them for about two years and then I left and then I came back right. and did another tour for like three or four years. So in the interim of all this, when you're playing with a band, are you also doing like other like studio types that yeah. you're working as a drummer? Whenever you can get home. Whenever you can get home. Yeah. So it's like the whole, um, the whole uh, program is you... The classic program is that you uh, you get a main gig. That's your touring gig. Okay. And hopefully it's a good gig. And then whenever you're home, you play locally and you do recording sessions. And is this... That's the... That's still that... that that's playbook. the plan. That's the plan. That's the playbook. That playbook is still your life to this day? Not right now. <laughs> well, not right now. But right I now mean, I just stay home. <laughs> <laughs> so do we all. We all fucking stay home. But as you, Eric, as you re-enter, as uh, my re-entry, as yes. you make your re-entry, I have. Is that the? Pl is that? I have zero anxiety. Weren't you? Didn't you go to Nashville or Memphis or? Yeah. Okay. So what was that? What was well, that? I was. Like? I was thinking about moving there, but I don't. I don't know if that's going to happen. Did you? Now. Did you go there and work? As I a, was doing some sessions out there. Some, and what's that like? Is it a different? It's great. Okay. I think it's like the last place you could probably still be a studio musician. Okay. And explain. Cause, Maybe in cause, L.A. too. But. Because uh, when John Hampson was on here, he was talking about the moments that he went down there and that it's a different way of, it's like we have the place booked from two to three and go write a song. <laughs> you know? Yeah, they do, they do a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. So what kind of stuff were you doing down there? I did just... I did a whole record down there, this singer named Laura Reed, and she's kind of like a old school kind of blues mm. rocker. Mm. Yeah. And what's the, for, for someone like me who doesn't understand, what's the day like? What's the, is it a week? Like, like, how do you, how long do you do it? Do you get up and fucking 10 and you, you know, like how, what's the Yeah, work? it's like, it's like you go in there like a regular job. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Maybe eight, 10 hours. Wow. But the time flies by. Yeah. And you don't want to leave. All right. Well, that's a good. And you're game. just like in a studio, and you're like, "Oh my God, what time is it?" That's great. They're you flying know. in some sandwiches, and you're good. Yeah, there's <laughs> always food. It's like, you know, a lot of musicians don't ever tour, and that's all they did was just go from studio to studio. Right. That was kind of my original plan, but that's... I wound up starting this band and then touring with this other band. So, and it's not as easy to get to studio work anymore. Why? Well, because now everybody has a home studio. Okay. A lot of, I mean, listen to the music that's on the radio. <laughs> right. Is there even a drummer on those? <laughs> it's like true. they have, right. You can hear when you listen to the pop top 40, it's like, I'm like, is they, they have such great computer programs that sound, it sounds just like a real drummer, right? The samples and all the shit. I don't even know it. if it's a real drummer or not. Right. I don't know what's real and what's not anymore. 
I got a surprise for you. What? <laughs> this is fucking real. This is real. <laughs> it's it's really happening, Eric. <laughs> You're really here. I know it didn't seem like you were going to make it, but it's really here. So what is the, so what is the plan when uh, when things get, is it to, is it to eventually be that just like fucking get the studio gig or do you want to get out in front of the well, people I'm, again? Or? I'm I'm ready for anything. Okay. I, well, I'm working towards being ready for anything. Right. <laughs> Practicing. I'm working on walking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, riding a move, bike. Move your hands around a little bit. I've been practicing. Yeah. Right. Just getting ready to uh, for anything that comes at me. So and what, stuff is coming, like a few gigs here and there. What kind of stuff? Are, well, deep and out of blackout. Ah, deep and out. We got a gig. Um, I don't know anything about it, <laughs> but um. And then there's some other stuff, like, in the future. Right. Some gigs. I have about four gigs on my calendar right now. All right. That's good. I'm ready to re-enter. Yeah. That's almost as many as I have. You know? <laughs> I, right? Yeah. I don't have any, so. And so it's it's a little bit like, well, I better be ready to play. Right. So that's why it just goes back to, like, getting, in, getting in the shed and practicing. Right. So Be, being ready for anything. So let me let me let me get a couple of little crafty things before I wrap this up, which okay. is we talked about a lot of different styles of music, you know, and, and how it all kind of comes from uh, a blues influence into jazz, into all that stuff. Right. It's all blues and, and soul and, and all that stuff. Yeah. What I don't, I don't have any sticks for you or anything, but what what is what are some of the because i'll tell you one thing that i that reminded me of to ask you this question is when and this is another thing i'm, I'm all over the place when you did uh you played on a soundtrack for a couple of the films that that we did uh, yeah 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 which was awesome and when uh, i did um my film uh night for day right and vin uh was you know composing the score and he want we we both agreed we wanted to do that that fela cootie afro beats right and he said calb's got to play it he's got because this is not just like stuff that drummers can do right it's some nuanced kind of groove what what is what what am i not understanding about that why why is that so difficult what is that be and then let's talk about other kinds of well drumming that's you know different well for the way that i look at it drumming wise the connection between uh like groove stuff like james brown right. and even fela kuti and rock and jazz is the thing that studying jazz drumming and having an understanding of rocking the place that it meets is this dynamic, this way that you're dynamically attacking the drums. Okay. Um, yet also having this aggressiveness that, and and a, and a grooving danceability. <laughs> That's my middle name. <laughs> Along with a yeah, with a with a metronomic feel. And that's and that's. There's, but there's a certain dynamic that gets mixed up, especially a lot with a lot of the blues and soul drummers. Okay. That you can draw from that gives it. It's it's. I spent a lot of time just like hitting a hitting a drum and just like 
hitting it really quietly and hitting like right the full dynamic of of a okay. drum or a cymbal just like you know if i move my hand over here it sounds a little different there's like 20 different sounds you can get from one cymbal right so it's like so you get, yeah you get, I, it's going into that microcosm again yeah, that's you know, what I'm, like, that's what i'm trying to dive into here and yeah. really really get it's the, all this the nuance, subtlety of just the like sitting in a room playing the same thing it's very meditative it's almost like i could be like a monk in a cave right over and over doing it and yeah not even ever leave and and is there a yeah and, and I, w I would imagine there's a um after a doing it for so long there's a physical connection to the actual like like you said you, you turn your hand this way you turn your hand the, the sound like if and you the play the cymbal yeah. and i turn my hand this way right and it's mic'd up like my voice is right, right now and you hear it coming back and then you move your hand just like that it will change the pitch of the it will not the pitch but the just the tonality right and i'm sure it's that way with a guitar or, or any yeah. other instrument like just these nuances and so i think when people look for certain drummers, they're they're not so much looking at like all the crazy drum fills that they can play. They're right. kind of looking at the the dynamic or like just the feel or the it's it's a very hard thing to even explain. Right. But um you kind of get it for me, I get it from like a lot of those old soul records and, and blues drummers and and the way that they interact with the singers and the, the way they interact with the horns and this kind of ensemble playing. All right. So there's an organic connection between, organic, between the artists and, uh, and how they're using that tool, how they're using that instrument to, to all the nuance of it to, to communicate the, the, yeah. the piece of music. So he was, when he was telling me that, he's, he's just saying, Calb's got, there's a nuance to this kind of beat. Right. That you know just any drummer is not going to play it right. it's like if you take like you could take like a like a jazz drum solo right right from like maybe like say art blakey who's a great jazz drummer and you could like take like one little thing he played in that drum solo and make it a loop <laughs> and it could be a beat and you could take that whole loop and people have done this, you know, like, I think there's, there's all these DJs have done this, you know, back right, in yeah. the nineties, right. this guy, LTJ Bookham, who was like a trance, like drum and bass guy. He would do stuff like that. Just take like one snippet right? and you make a whole new beat and then you just like loop it. And it's like this amazing <laughs> beat and then he's creating new music over it. Right. But it's like that kind of playing, which is just constantly flowing and evolving right? as you're doing it, just improvising. Right, 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 right. right. Screw me, man. It's pretty tripped out. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking mesmerized. <laughs> it's deep. I'm fucking mesmerized by this shit. Because yeah. it's, it's, it's so deep into the weeds of it that, that I'm fascinated by it. It's, it's like looking into a microscope. Yeah. It really is. That's why, like, hours and hours can go by, like days, weeks. You, you, you just, you're, you're, uh, you're Howard Hughes. Your fingernails are, you're pissing on a cup. You're like, hey, man, let's fucking get. Crazy. You could. Wow. You could. It's never ending, really. Music is never ending. Well, let's. Uh, I want to see that when we when we get you there. I want to see. I want to see what you look like after a few weeks uh, uh, out of pandemic. You know, out of pandemic, out, yeah, coming out with your nails and after hair I um. 
go into the shed and we call it go right. into the cave the right. drum cave right i've been thinking about practicing more just so i'm good and i have a new record that i've been working on okay it's time for me to plug my yeah record. plug a record i have a new record it's called southpaw it's not done yet but it's almost completely mixed and i have uh, a few video clips for it that i'm working on and who's playing with you on that um these it's a, it's what you call an organ trio um, Again, dirty, dirty fucking language you put an organ trio. <laughs> what kind of shit are you doing, man? You... It's a dirty organ trio. <laughs> it is, actually. It's I, I've done a lot of this. I've found that um, this type of stuff. I toured with a guy named Dr. Lonnie Smith um, in, like, 2008. And he's the most amazing, like, jazz funk organ player. He wears a big turban. <laughs> they call him the Turbinator. <laughs> He's on Blue Note Records for years, and I was lucky enough to tour with him. So, this type of this genre, this style, I've I've done a lot of, yeah. like almost obsessively, like I, almost to the point where like I need to stop, mm. <laughs> but I can't. <laughs> so I finally decided to make my own record, and um, I got two of my favorite guys to play with in New York City. Um, a guy named Matt Chertkoff plays guitar and. A guy named Kyle Kohler. Was there a lot? There's a lot of H's in that. Kyle. Kyle, Kyle Kohler <laughs> okay. is a great organ player. And uh, Matt wrote a lot of the music because if I waited to write my own music, I'd <laughs> probably be dead. So he's kind of the ghostwriter, and we it's this jazz and funk cool man and, when, and what's the plan for that what, what, what do you want to do with it i'm Get finishing it up mixing it right. it's been a really long slow process and um i got a couple of i'm in the process of making a couple of video clips because i took i had some a camera crew come into the studio you know nice and i recorded it at this place called brooklyn recorders in schenectady no <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> Brooklyn in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, All right. And uh, so I'm finishing up on that and it'll be my first Eric Cal record. Does it have a, does it have a name? It's called Southpaw. Cause oh, that's right. Yeah. You said that play Southpaw. the drums left-handed. Now, does that mean, does that make any difference? <laughs> it's a good question. And, and along the lines of those questions, because again, I'm a total layman. There's so many different ways drummers hold these right. amazing instruments from right. Buddy Riches and, and those. I mean, right. what's, the, what's that all about? Is it just comfortability? Well, there's two or? basic ways to hold the sticks. And one, if I had them, I could show you. But Here, I'll, hang on. I'm going to give you... <laughs> Am I going to... Do you have a spoon? Oh, my God. This is great. This is perfect. This is perfect. Yes. This is great. Come on, man. Look at that. In, in fact, can I buy these from you? <laughs> you dig it? <laughs> those are need, my sauce spoons, dude, man. These, I might need these. I got those from my mom. <laughs> I need to try this. So I, I hold a match grip. Match grip. Okay. Which is both hands are the same. But this is called traditional. But I'm left-handed. So it would be <laughs> traditional for me would be like this. Okay. But I don't have any traditional. Um, I have a little bit left over from when I first started playing. And what? But I'm I'm straight up. What would be the the advantage for any? I mean, well, see the thing. Okay, here's a little lesson. Yeah, please. So the thing, the reason this grip exists, 
is before there was. Can you a see that? Can we see his hands? Okay. Okay. Beautiful. Before there was. Before there was a drum set, you would strap a drum onto your leg. All right. I like it. I like that already. <laughs> <laughs> and the angle of the drum would. Oh, okay. say this is the head of the drum. Right. Look, when it, we got a whole thing going. This is here. fucking awesome. This is just exactly what I was hoping for. So. It would, it, it, the way it would sit when you're marching, right. and you'd stand up and march, it would be, you could not make it go flat. I mean, in the revolutionary way. They wouldn't, in fact, the, the first guys, it would be like, they didn't even have any leg rest. It would just go like Just this. hanging off their hip. So for them to play, if you did this, <laughs> yeah, you, your arm would be all the way up there. Right. So they had to... Whoa, I, oh, now we're making cool. music now. <laughs> It's gonna get trippy. Now. This is where weird. This is where shit happens right here. <laughs> this is what I was waiting for. <laughs> That's got a nice tone, man. See, give me all your springs. <laughs> I need all your springs before I leave. <laughs> so, uh, so you had so, to turn so that. So you do that, you see, because. Yeah. I'm playing spoons on a pillow. This is what it's come to. This is what my career has come to. That's fucking. But fantastic. that's that's right, why okay. there's that grip. So you and did, then so you drummers had... develop. I mean, when they put it on a stand, they would tilt the stand so they could still use the grip because <laughs> right, right, the right. grip predates the stand. Wow. But then you they started to make stands that could go flat, and it's like okay, well. Wow, and just but it's, it's kind of a thing. There's a thing. There's a thing. There people, I kind of wish I had the thing. but um, People want to hang on to this sort of like... I came across a teacher on Long Island just recently, just the other day. His name's Frankie Bellucci. And I was watching a video of him, and it took me half the video before I realized he was left-handed. And not only is he left-handed, he's playing traditional <laughs> left-handed. <laughs> So I contacted him and I said, hey, man, I think I need to study drums with you. And he's like, sure, give me a call anytime. He's like, you know, 10 years old. <laughs> he's been around forever. But I've never seen a guy that's left-handed. Play you know? with a traditional grip like that, the, that way. Right. I've seen like two guys. Wow. In my entire life. That's So maybe I could show him how to play with spoons on a pillow. You know what? If you, yeah, trade off, trade off. You know, nobody's done that. I don't think. Ever, I think that's a. Fr I'm going to go off of my hand and say that's probably. A I'm first. more interested in the spring. <laughs> it's kind of like oh yeah, got a little didgeridoo going on there. It's very Aboriginal. <laughs> this is why nobody lets people get drum sets. This is why you should never do interviews with drummers. Yeah. <laughs> that's fucking awesome. Well, thank you for that, because that just made my trailer. So that's that works out great. Really? That's yeah, no, that's, that's phenomenal. That's absolutely phenomenal. So one last little thing, uh, because I'll, I'll stick this anywhere I want to stick it. But what? What about you? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'll stick it wherever the fuck I feel like sticking it. <laughs> What about it's my show? I say what I want. <laughs> what about some of the when you were doing that? I was thinking about some of the history of again. I'm a layman thinking of 
you know, uh, Krupa and 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 yeah. uh, Buddy Rich and and how they how what was the evolution of these guys just fucking going insane? Like, when did, <laughs> what do you mean? When did the drummer going insane on the drums? Yeah, or just, insane. <laughs> well, there's that. But when did these guys take center stage like that? Where it was, a th they had to be the first that did that before you know. Neil Peart was flipping over uh, upside down, or whoever the fuck. Tommy Lee. Yeah, Tommy Lee. Yeah, Tommy Lee flipped upside down. Neil Peart was the was the. Well, there's a there's a direct okay. So there's a direct line to like the between the big band drummers yes. and like the hard rock drummers. Okay, it's a very interesting thing to note oh, about let's drumming. Let's note that. Like the 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 early like British rock drummers. Mm -hmm. Like John Bonham uh, and Keith Moon, Keith Moon and Ginger Baker, right. and um, even Ian Pace of Deep Purple, Mitch Mitchell, Mitch Mitchell, definitely A fucking great drummer. Yeah, great. I love all those guys. They were directly influenced by big band drumming. I don't know. It's, it's just some kind of like perfect <laughs> um, age group right, factor. Right. The way sure. they grew up, like maybe they were listening to their mom and dad's records sure. or something. But they're totally influenced. By like Gene Cooper and Buddy Rich and people wow. like that, so their drum sets with the big giant bass drums were kind of modeled after those big band drummers from the forties. Wow, yeah. Only you know you got like and guys playing loud. Talk guitars. about aggressive drummers. Those yeah. Well, the big band drummers had to be really loud because they're playing with all these horn players. Right, it's right, like right. a huge group, so it's different from like small combo jazz where you're playing light. Wow. You know, so there's a there's a parallel. There's like a comparison there because now you got these amps and it's right. Jimmy Page <laughs> right. on eleven. Right, yeah, he's exactly. going to eleven. That's right. So there's this interesting thing there. And aren't you glad you're not? You know, because you're not. You never made it into Spinal Tap because didn't the drummer explode every time? Right. Every, every third drummer right. exploded or something. I think I've exploded several times. <laughs> That's right. Well, listen, let's uh, let's let's give it up for. Um, Dirty Organ Trio. The Dirty Organ Trio. Dirty Organ <laughs> Trio. Dirty. <laughs> That'll be your... It doesn't roll off the tongue. No, it's not quite good, as but... deep banana blackout. But... Yeah. Well, listen, man, I, I, I'm i going to let you go because I appreciate everything. Thanks for I, having I think, me, man. I think that was worth it just so that I could understand what the fuck was going on there. I'm, I'm Like I said, I'm out, I'm out of my depth with uh, the whole with, with the whole grip yeah with the grip and the spoons and everything but i don't even play like that. i wish i could yeah but i appreciate because you it, showing it to me it's just like you're cool and you're in the club if you and, can play uh, like that. and and before we last little thing where does uh where does anybody find your stuff where, where okay you? well there's a there's a website it's not Pornhub. no <laughs> so that's not my stuff <laughs> as far as you know right <laughs> as far as i know <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> it's called ericcalbmusic.com right okay. yeah yep and um oh, you yeah, want like all, a the, YouTube. all the social medias and whatnot as well instagram. i'm on youtube i'm on instagram cool i haven't been doing a lot that's i think we covered that part i've yeah. been i've been laying low yeah. but i'm working on releasing this record in full so it'll be up on all the streaming platforms awesome once i figure out how to do that awesome. and once i figure out how to use Final Cut Pro without it <laughs> collapsing on me. Maybe you can give me some tips. I think we could probably help you. We could yeah, probably help I you. I just got this one song set up with a four-camera thing. I, I, you just send it along. I, 
Really? We can, I can handle it. Yeah. We can work out a deal. I, I've cut five feature films, so I, I should be able to handle. Yeah. I should be able to help you. <laughs> this is a real coup here. Yeah, could be able to help you. So, okay. All right, man. Well, well thank, thanks for having thank me. Thank you. Thank you for being on board, and I'll see you next time with the Chancellor over at Big Daddy's. This and, was great. Yeah, I'm glad I had a fun, I had a fun, fun time. I had a great time. Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs>